If you are new to the bridge, my name is John Peters. I'm a pastoral intern here. I have the privilege to uh, speak throughout this summer while our lead pastor, Jerry Kellen, is on a much-deserved sabbatical. So I welcome you this morning here for a service. Um, Please pray with me as we begin the message. Father God, uh, you've given us an awesome opportunity to come and worship together, to worship you because of the work of your Son, Jesus Christ, his death on the cross for our sin, his resurrection that gives us life and hope. And you've given uh, the church of Jesus the power of the Spirit, and we can come together, and together we are uh, more powerful than we are by ourselves, that you have designed your church to do awesome and great things in this community and in this world we thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. This morning we'll be in Psalm 118. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to open it up. The Psalms are right in the middle. I'll begin reading Psalm 118, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. This summer, we've been in a series on prayer called Prayer, Take a Breath. And for the past few weeks, we've been studying the Psalms. The Psalms were the prayer book and song book that Jesus would have used. The Psalms were a collection of 150 uh, prayer songs written over um, a period of time by a number of different authors, some of which we know, like King David, others of which are anonymous. And they were collected in the Hebrew Scriptures, uh, what we know as the Old Testament. And so we've been looking at different types of these prayers that are found in the Psalms. And they cover every range of human emotion that there is. Joy, sorrow, lament, confession. Two weeks ago, we, we looked at Psalm 51, which was a prayer of confession by King David. Last week, we looked at Psalm 102. That was a prayer of lament, okay? Two very prominent different types of prayers found in the Psalms. We found the Psalm writers just opening up their hearts before God and either confessing sin or just bringing their pain before him. Well, another very prominent type of of prayers that we find in the Psalms are thanksgiving, prayers of praise and thanksgiving. And so we're going to look at that today. And so we've been through some very heavy material in the past few weeks with confession, with lament. Now we move on to Thanksgiving. It's uh, maybe a little bit more uplifting topic. It's not always necessarily an easier topic. It's not necessarily easier than what we've covered before. But each of them, confession, lament, Thanksgiving, are all necessary and appropriate at different times, areas of prayer. And so today... We've come to Thanksgiving. Now, the topic of Thanksgiving and gratitude is one that modern-day social scientists have spent a lot of time examining, uh, writing about. Um, It's a very prominent topic in the past 10 or 20 years. And that's all well and good. But it is interesting to see how most of these that I looked at will bend over backwards and tie themselves in pretzels to ignore 
what the Bible's been saying about for over 3,000 years about Thanksgiving and ignore what uh, our true source of Thanksgiving can be. So today we're going to look at uh, this psalm, Psalm 118, and examine uh, Thanksgiving. Examine how Thanksgiving can be a powerful impact in our prayer life. Now, I will warn you, every time I've talked about Thanksgiving, some point before that, God, in his sense of humor maybe, has given me something throughout the week to really test me. Test what I'm about to say and test my own heart. This week was no exception. So, three weeks ago, my wife and I received an email, an invitation. Uh, Six years ago, we had served together in a church plant in Ireland, outside of Dublin. We knew an Irish pastor and his wife. They had invited us at that point to come serve with them. We had a one-year visa, had a phenomenal experience working with that church. Uh, In many ways, not not too different than the bridge. A little bit smaller, but, but a new church plant nonetheless. And so we had this privilege to go over there. Uh, we were there for a short time, had a great time, and then came back about five years ago. And we had always intended to make it over there since, and life happens, we get busy, we had a couple more kids. Pretty soon it's five or six years, and we haven't been over there. Well, we got this email invitation that said, hey, We've got this house in our neighborhood. It's empty for a few weeks in August. We can use it. Our friends can use us. Use it. You guys should come over. So we got to thinking. And accommodation being one of the greatest costs of travel, it got, to, got us to thinking a little bit more. And we looked at flights, and they were cheaper than we'd ever seen them before. And we were thinking a little bit more. I talked to some of the leadership team here, and they were very gracious and communicated with Jerry and was very gracious and we had a number of uh, good speakers lined up and so we bought tickets. Now three days ago we got another email that said hey about those accommodations uh, we had for you in true Irish style. I said plans have changed. We don't we don't really have those anymore. I'm thinking, okay. So we got tickets bought. We're taking a two-year-old and a five-year-old, a nine and a ten-year-old, and I'm not sure where we're going to stay in three days. So God has a sense of humor. Every time I, I start to talk, talk about Thanksgiving, he gives me a very tangible way to work through and think through that. And you know, just about the time I was struggling for a sermon illustration, (laughs) thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, in all seriousness, that was a, a relatively minor thing that we'll work through and life happens and it is what it is. That's not gonna change our our plans. But I do have a question. Is Thanksgiving a critical part of your prayer life? 
is thanksgiving to God, first, and others, second, a critical part of your prayer life. We're going to look at Psalm 118. First, I'll read through the psalm. There's 28, 29 verses, okay? We'll read through that first. Then we'll come back and we'll look at a number of things highlighted and repeated in the psalm, number one. And then we'll look at two other passages, two other instances in the Bible where others will look at Psalm 118 and use it to help communicate truth. So I'll begin with Psalm 118. We'll read through the psalm in its entire context. I think there's a great value in that. And then we'll come back and take a look at a few things that we can learn. Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. When hard-pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into, into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surround me. But in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They surround me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They swarmed me around me like bees, but they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them down. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die, but live. And will proclaim that the Lord has done what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, through which the, righteousness may, the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord from the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Okay, it's a longer passage. There's a lot there. There's a lot more there than we'll be able to unpack this morning. 
So I want to focus on a few points. Number one, what, can we, what do we find in this psalm about Thanksgiving that can affect our prayers? Well, number one, we find out that radical Thanksgiving is the proclamation that we are not God. That seems kind of simple. Thanksgiving is a radical proclamation that I am not God, you are not God, God is God. Again, we take that for granted. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Only God is eternal. Repeated. Verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. His love endures forever. Something only God can possess. Enduring love. To give thanks is an admission that we have been blessed by somebody else. It is an admission that we are incomplete by ourselves. Only God is complete in himself. Everybody else is dependent on somebody else at some time and in some way. Only God is self-sufficient. Our view of thanksgiving is directly impacted by our view of God. Do we view our relationship with God as transactional? That we do something to earn his favor? There's no reason to say thanks there. That's, I did a job. You blessed me. That's a transaction. Or do we view God as somebody who gives us something we did not deserve? That's grace. And grace does promote thanksgiving. Grace is the idea that that God alone in his power comes to bridge the gap between humans and him. And that only God doing that can reconcile that gap. Thanksgiving is the radical proclamation that we are not God. Because every human heart, mine and yours, has the propensity to make little idols, to put ourselves in the position where only God can be. And we do it in subtle ways and even ways we don't realize it. But Thanksgiving turns that on its head. It recognizes God as God and that we are dependent on his grace. When I was hard-pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. He is my helper. All throughout Psalm 118, the writer is reminded and writes to others about how he was helpless and he was at the mercy of the Lord. 
Thanksgiving is the radical proclamation that we are not God. Repeated throughout, the Lord has become my salvation. You have become my salvation, verse 21. Verse 25, Lord, save us. The writer is acutely aware that they are incapable of saving themselves. Give thanks to the Lord, for he endures forever. Okay, so that's the first thing that we find out in the passage. Now, this particular prayer and song was referred to a number of, it, of different times in the New Testament. We'll take a look at two of those. The first is in Matthew. And if you have a Bible, you can turn ahead to Matthew's chapter uh, 21 and 23. And in Matthew chapter 1, the gospel writer records, <clears throat> as Jesus is entering Jerusalem for what would be the last week of his life before he's crucified. This is in Matthew 21. This is what we would celebrate today in the church as uh, Palm Sunday. And to back up, to pause and back up a little bit, Psalm 118 was a part of a group of psalms from Psalm 113 to Psalm 118 uh, called praise songs, called uh, the Psalms of Hillel. These were songs sung by observant uh, Israelites when they traveled to festivals like the Passover. And so as they were traveling, just as Jesus had traveled with his disciples to Jerusalem for the Passover, throughout that procession, they would sing, in particular, those six prayers, those six songs in the Psalms. And so it shouldn't surprise us as we come in uh, Matthew 21, verse 9. Jesus is entering in Jerusalem. He has uh, told two of his disciples to go get a donkey to be able to fulfill this prophecy. And he was <clears throat> riding into, into Jerusalem on a donkey. And the crowds are chanting out. Verse 9, the crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted, Hosanna, which means God save us. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Do you remember that phrase? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Straight out of Psalm 118. Psalm 118, 20, uh, verse 26. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Verse 25. Lord, save us. That means Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus and the pilgrims following him and the disciples following him are traveling into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. They are singing these songs throughout Psalm 113 to 118. So they're singing this song that we're examining, this prayer that we're examining, and they're praising God. See, Psalm 118 points ahead to the Messiah. And here Jesus comes, recognized as the son of David. And the crowds, even though if they had a, a confused uh, vision of what that might, Messiah might look like, many of them thought that Messiah might be a conquering king, that Jesus might be this king that would come in and help overthrow the Roman authorities. 
They still were reciting this prayer, this praise. And so that was the start of the last week of his life on, before he was crucified. Now let's go to the end of that week. If you turn ahead in Matthew 26. Matthew 26, verse 26. This is as Jesus was sitting down and celebrating the Passover with his disciples. And in that Passover, he had redefined how what the Passover meant. The Passover celebrated the Israelites' freedom from slavery and bondage in Egypt and how God had delivered them. How a Passover lamb had been sacrificed and how the blood of the lamb had been, been put over the doorpost while they were in Egypt and how God then had brought them out of Egypt. And so Jesus in the Passover redefines that as he was the true Passover lamb, that his blood would be shed to cover sin. And at the end of the meal, the Gospel writer Matthew says in verse 26, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when they had given thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until, from, until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn... These were those songs, Psalm 113, 114, 115, 116, 118, that we just read through today. When, when they had sung these hymns, okay, so Jesus is fresh off of singing Psalm 118, this psalm of praise. They went out to the Mount of Olives. Verse 31, then Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me. In, in short order, he's arrested. So the second thing we find out is that thanksgiving is not dependent on circumstances. Jesus entering Jerusalem knew what lay ahead. Jesus entering Jerusalem sang psalms of thanksgiving. Jesus, the night before he was crucified, sang these same prayer songs of thanksgiving, knowing that in a few hours he would be arrested. So we learn that thanksgiving, radical thanksgiving, is not dependent on our circumstances. Now, we may go through something very painful, and it may be entirely appropriate and helpful to lament that in some way. And in many times, we skip over that too soon. But at some point, and in some way, there is cause for thanksgiving. Now, it may be five minutes after the event, maybe five months, maybe longer, depending on what the pain is. But radical thanksgiving 
is not dependent on circumstances. And what's the last thing we learn about Thanksgiving from Psalm 118? Another one of Jesus' disciples, Peter, refers back to this psalm in some of his most powerful teaching. So if you turn ahead yet again to 1 Peter. In 1 Peter, at the end of chapter 1, he looks back at Psalm 118, this praise and thanksgiving prayer, He looks back and unpacks that for the first early church about how that can impact their lives, and that truth is still applicable to us today. So beginning in 118, the Apostle Peter writes, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty ways of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, He's making that Passover reference. That's what the Israelites done when they did when they celebrated Passover. They took a lamb without blemish, and its blood was shed for the, um, to symbolize God covering their sin. And so Peter, making that connection, but with the precious blood of Christ, 1 Peter 1.19, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. All people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the grass, uh, flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Continuing on, just a few more verses. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. For the scripture says, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, and here we are. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Do you remember that? That's Psalm 118. So Peter, the apostle, looking back on these prayers and songs of thanksgiving, Psalm 118, unpacks all of this foundational truth for the early church. 
And let me ask you. Do you struggle with envy? Do you struggle with shame? I do at different times. Do you struggle feeling like you're not loving others the way that that you should as a follower of Jesus Christ? Do you struggle at times of hope that's fleeting and foggy? What does Peter say? Based on what Jesus has done, his shed blood for us, that exchange where Christ takes our sin and we are granted his righteousness through faith, He says, through him, Jesus, 1 Peter 1.21, through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead. So your faith and hope are in God. Love one another deeply, he continues. Carrying on a few more verses, rid yourself of envy. And in 2.5, you will never be put to shame. There's a lot there. But let me just ask you, do you, like I, struggle at times with envy? Do you struggle with shame? Do you struggle with hope? Hopelessness? Not feeling like you're loving others well? Well, Peter looks back on a Thanksgiving song, on a Thanksgiving prayer, Thanksgiving is a radical antidote to envy, to shame, to hopelessness, to feeling like you're not loving others well. Begin with a heart of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving to God first for what Christ has done for you, his shed blood that covers your sin through faith, his resurrection that gives you true hope and life. And that, in turn, will pour out in benefits internally and to others. So radical thanksgiving is not just a nice teaching we encourage our kids to say as they get their dinner. Oh, isn't that nice? There's manners. And then we move on to more deeper things of faith. Radical thanksgiving is tied into our understanding of God and his grace in the gospel and is one of the most powerful things that he gives you and he gives me and he gives our church to transform this world and our community. Now what are some applications? Well I warned you before putting into practice thanksgiving Undoubtedly, you will come across some point this week because life happens where you will have an awesome opportunity to put this into practice. The transmission is going to go out. It could be bigger than that. It could be smaller than that. Take a breath. You are not God. God is God. Take a breath. Try to find something that you can be thankful for. 
Again, it may be after an appropriate time of lament. That may be five seconds, it may be five minutes, it may, may be longer than that. Take a breath. Find some radical way to be thankful in that moment. You know, I told you a little bit about just uh, our little travel difficulties, but you know what? Within a day of just communicating with friends that we had, we had multiple offers of places to stay with friends that we knew from five or six years ago. We were blessed beyond what we would have imagined. You know, it didn't work out like we had planned three weeks ago, but, boy, I'm confident God's going to do some, has a better plan in mind, and and we get to, to be thankful for that, for awesome friends and relationships that, that have blessed us over the past six years. So I'm confident that in your moment of testing, and undoubtedly it's going to come this week, that there will be something that you can be genuinely thankful for. Number two, just like we talked about a few minutes ago, if you're struggling with any one of these items that that Peter had mentioned to the early church, if you're struggling with envy, if you're struggling with shame, first try this radical approach of being thankful to God. And number three, The biggest thing that we have to be thankful for to God is the gift of his son. Jesus Christ, who came to earth, whose blood was shed for our sin, and through faith in him, we can have hope eternal and life eternal with our God who created us. If you haven't taken that step to thank God for that, in the way of a changed heart where the Spirit comes in and changes your heart. If you haven't taken that step, I'm going to pray in a few minutes, and I would love to give you the opportunity to pray through with me a radical prayer of thanksgiving of what God has done for you. And if your heart has been changed by the Spirit because of the gospel, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, if your heart has been changed, whether it's been long before, or whether it's been a minute ago. We'll have an opportunity here, through taking of communion, that the church has done for over 2,000 years. And if your heart has been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you have never taken communion before, I would invite you that this could be your first opportunity as a follower of Jesus Christ. A visible way that Christ has commanded his church to come together and worship. And so we have an awesome opportunity here. We practice an open communion at the bridge, which means any and all followers of Jesus Christ are invited to participate in communion. You know, different churches and traditions will, uh, some call it communion, some um, call it the Lord's Supper, some might call it Eucharist. They all mean thanksgiving. Thanksgiving for what God has done for us. Second point of application. If your heart has been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and you have not been baptized, I would invite you um, to consider that. Talk with me after the service. Email me. In addition to communion, baptism is one of the ways that Jesus has commanded his church and said is one of the most powerful ways to demonstrate the gospel. 
And so if your heart has been changed and you have not been baptized, I would make that invitation. It's not too late between now and this evening to make a visible proclamation of what uh, has happened in your heart. And that's an awesome witness. Um, And there's no set period of time between when you've had a gospel change of your heart to when somebody's baptized. In many cases in the New Testament and Acts, it happens very quickly. And so as we pray, if, if you haven't had that heart change yet, but today you do, and you become a follower of Jesus Christ, number one, you have an awesome opportunity to join us in Thanksgiving through communion. Please talk to me after service. And you'll have an awesome opportunity, if you choose the right timing, to be baptized later today. Please pray with me. Father God, thank you, thank you, thank you. We don't say it enough and we don't understand it completely when we say it. But Father, your scripture gives us the testimony of so many different songwriters and leaders who have prayed before you, who have opened up their heart and poured out thanksgiving to you rightly for who you are, for your goodness, your enduring love, the gift of your Son. Father, your grace is something we never could earn. We are always dependent on you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, we know we are sinners. Our sin has separated us from you. But Father, you and your grace sent your Son, Jesus Christ, came into this world. He was fully God. He was fully man. He could represent us to you, and he could represent you to us. Through his shed blood, he took our sin and covered over our shame. And he gave us his righteousness. And through faith in him, we too can be declared righteous. We can be made right with you. Father, we know that one day your word says you will come again. Justice will be done. Healing will be brought. Death will be destroyed. The world will be one day as it should be. And we, in faith, will be reconciled with you face to face. Father, we praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.